know we normally don't start chapel out with a music video, but let me welcome you to chapel from a Christian education professor's perspective. See, we, maybe you've not experienced a chapel from a Christian education minister's perspective, professor's perspective for quite a while. So let me just uh, enlighten you a little bit on the difference between a Christian education professor's perspective and uh, let's just pick on the Bible theology guys or the pastor ministry guys. <laughs> See, we Christian education ministry folk, we look at scripture and when we come up on a passage of scripture that we don't understand or that we need translation help with or that we need to exegete, well, we don't exegete anything. And if we exegete, we didn't need to exegete. <laughs> so what we do is we'll look at a passage of scripture and we'll study the scripture and we'll look at the story and we'll say, how does this story teach? How did Jesus teach this story so the people he were teaching to would remember this? And so we'll look at the passage of scripture and our minds, Christian education people folks, we immediately say, I know what I gotta do. I gotta go to Walmart. I gotta go to Family Dollar. I gotta go to Dollar Tree. I gotta find something so my students will remember this story. And that works for children, that works for youth, and that even works for adults as well. Jesus was a great storyteller. He used stories. And for Christian education ministry folks, we get excited when we run across a passage of scripture where Jesus told and used stories. And there's a story that's found in John chapter 9. And it starts in verses 1 through 29. And we're not going to take the time, please forgive me, Bible theology majors, to not read through that whole passage of Scripture. We're just going to summarize it for you, because that's what we Christian education ministry will do. <laughs> so we're going to read, we're going to summarize what is happening here of this story. There's a blind man that has a story. He has an encounter with Jesus in this passage of Scripture. And in this particular story, we see four scenarios unfolding here. First, we see Jesus and the disciples talking about this blind man. Jesus is using this moment to teach his disciples about why this blind man, or the disciples are actually inquiring, why is this blind man, is he blind because of the sin of his parents? And Jesus uses that as a teaching moment and says, I'm teaching this and doing this miracle to show you why I have come. I have come to bring sight to those who are blind. I've come to bring spiritual healing to those who are deaf. I have come to bring healing to those who are crippled. And Jesus has this conversation going on with his disciples in this particular passage of scripture. And then you have the neighbors talking in this passage of scripture. 
The neighbors are saying, isn't this the man who was born blind and who used to sit and beg and just bother us? And now look at him, he can see. And the neighbors are wanting to know what has happened to this guy. The neighbors are talking. And then you have another scenario unfolding as well. You have the blind man's parents and the religious leaders engaged in conversation. And the religious leaders are trying to catch this blind man's parents in a a scenario of, say, of having them proclaim to, to the religious leaders that Jesus is the Messiah. And the, and the blind, blind man's parents are not going to have any part of that conversation. And so they say, hey, this guy's old enough. Our son is old enough to defend himself. So you talk to him. And so that's what the religious leaders do in the next part of the passage of Scripture. So they call him over. And they want to catch him to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. And the blind man <clears throat> says, I'm not playing your game. All I know is I was blind. All I know is this man that they called Jesus took some dirt, took some spit, put the two things together. See, we Christian education ministry makers get excited about this. We love dirt. We love spit. If we can use it Sunday school class, we'll do it. Okay? And put it on my eyes, and now I can see. But you do realize he healed you on the Sabbath. I don't know who he is. All I know is Jesus that healed me. And now I can see. Well, is he the Messiah? I don't know who he is. All I know is Jesus, the one who they call Jesus. This blind man has a story. Has a story. We all have stories of our encounter with Jesus. One of the highlights of my teaching job here at NBC is to get to read your story. Every term, we ask you to post your autobiographies. And some of you have saved that same autobiography since you've enrolled in Nazarene Bible College. And you've been using it and posting it, and you forgot you got married. You forgot you got a new job. You forgot you had three kids. You forgot that it's your senior year again. <laughs> and so you have your autobiographies. And, and I take the time as a professor to read those because I want to hear about your encounter with Jesus Christ. So you might think it's a cumbersome, wasted time of activity, but I want you to know your professors read those. We want to hear your story or read your story, your encounter with Jesus Christ. We all have stories to tell. And I read some of your autobiographies, and some of you respond to each other's autobiographies, and, and sometimes some of your responses to some of your peers' responses to their autobiographies sounds a lot like Tim Hawkins, the great Christian comedian. Let's take a listen 
to Tim Hawkins. Only Tim Hawkins. Only Tim Hawkins. I don't know if the protocol is a, if it's okay for a college professor to share his story, but I thought I'd give you a little glimpse of, of my story, of how I came to Jesus. You see, it was my senior year in high school. See, and I feel comfortable telling you my story because as a Christian education ministry professor, Jesus was a great storyteller. And because he was, I can be in use stories. So, my senior year in high school is when I became a believer. My senior year in high school came, and I only needed two credits to graduate. So it allowed me to go to school in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I would go to work in the work-study program. So I wish I could stand here today and tell you that I was so studious that I was striving to be the valedictorian, the salutatorian, some kind of dorian, but I wasn't. I just wanted to get through high school to get my diploma. And so I looked at what classes I could possibly take, the easiest classes. And I found typing three. <laughs> typing three. I already taken typing one and two. So I decided, typing three, sure. And yes, it was an electric typewriter, similar to this. <laughs> I'm not as old as Dr. Benny, where they had. No, anyway, type, typing three, electric typewriter, and if you wanted to change the font, you had to take this little ball out of the typewriter and find the font you wanted and put it back in and then type away. The whole goal of typing three was to be the fastest typist. I had goals. <laughs> I had goals. And then the next easy class that I wanted to take or that I saw was offered was acapella choir. <laughs> yes, this is choir. <laughs> And so I took Typing Free, Acapella Choir, and I know some of you have stood by me and heard me sing. <laughs> that just tells you how good our choir was. <laughs> Acapella Choir was where you sang without music. Could you trust Terry? And you had to audition. And I did. And I made it. <laughs> Acapella Choir and Typing Free. I guess I was going to be the singing typist. <laughs> I had some gold in my life. So I took those two classes. And then I worked in the afternoon. I remember I made it, school starts, I made it through my first day of typing three. Made about 15 mistakes on my first paper, the typing speed. And then I went to Aquila Choir. I walked into the choir, and there were about seven students in my choir that I immediately recognized. Because I had taken classes with them before. And so I joined their little circle, and these seven students just seemed to be engaged with each other, and they were just enjoying being around each other, and, and they just kind of opened up and just welcomed me and just accepted me, and, and, and 
and they can get to befriend me. And, and so it came time for choir to start, and I, Steve was part of that group of seven, and, and we sat down in the tenor section. Some of you were impressed if I even knew what section to sit in. <laughs> so Steve and I were friends, and we sat down in the tenor section, and we just built a friendship just through, the, through that whole year of choir. And every day I would come into choir and, and uh, that group of seven students would always be talking to each other and they were always talking about Jesus. And they were always talking about their youth group. And they were always talking about what their youth group did over that particular weekend or what their youth group was going to be doing. And, and they were just always talking. And, and sometimes I would ask them questions out of curiosity. And sometimes I would just ask questions to be critical. Because, see, I knew a little bit about church and a little bit about religion, enough to be dangerous to a group of seven high school students who were trying to live with Jesus in high school. And so I just think, and they still accepted me, and they still welcomed me, and they still let me be part of the group. And one Friday, the bell rings, and we're on our way outside the classroom. And one of the girls, named Judy, stopped me. And she said, hey, Jerry, our church has Sunday school on Sunday at 9 o'clock, Sunday morning. We'd love for you to join us in the worship at 1045. If you don't have anything to do, we'd love for you to join us. I pulled out my phone. And I'm only kidding. Back then, we didn't have phones. <laughs> so I checked to see if you were listening. thought about my schedule, but usually I didn't have anything going on on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And so I said, I think I can make that happen. So Sunday morning comes around, and I find myself at Webster Groves Church of the Nazarene in St. Louis, Missouri. I find my way to the youth group, and there's about 50 teenagers in this room on a Sunday morning, about 15 adults. And they all seem to be enjoying each other, and I'm baffled. Because I'm thinking these seven teenagers that just seem to be enjoying each other and engaged and always talking about Jesus, it was only a high school thing. But no, now I go to the church and there's 50 teenagers enjoying their walk with Jesus. I'm thinking something's not right. These people have purpose. These people have focus in their lives. They're more than, they're about more than typing and choir. <laughs> So I made it through Sunday school, I made it through Sunday morning worship, and I'm on my way out to the parking lot of my 1974 Super Beetle BW Volkswagen. Bright red. I was cool in high school. The same girl that invited me to church that day stopped me in the parking lot, and she said, Hey, Jerry, we have church tonight at 6 o'clock. Yeah, that's when we have church on Sunday nights. So we have church tonight at 6 o'clock, and then the youth group's going out for pizza afterwards. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Something was going on in my life at that point in time and in my heart, and I'm thinking, do I want to go back? If I go back, I think something's going to happen in my life. I'm not sure I want it to happen. So I went home, and I was taking a Nazarene nap before I was even a Nazarene. <laughs> God, hear the prayer of a sinner. And I thought, 
Lord, you know when I go back to church tonight, I think I know what's going to happen, but I don't know if I'm ready. Do you want me to go back? <laughs>
We all sit here at Nazarene Bible College and Jesus asks us the same question. Do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. I responded to, to go into ministry. I'm obedient. See, there's some sheep out there. They may not be named Jerry, but there are some lost sheep that need to be reached. And you might be thinking, but once I get done with my education, I'll feed some sheep. Lord, I'll do anything for you after I get my degree. I'll feed sheep then. I'll take care of some lambs. And Jesus says, no, I'm sending the sheep your way today. And you, and you might be like me. You're not surrounded by any lost sheep. See, I teach at a Nazarene Bible College. I'm pretty much surrounded by Christians. I go to the Nazarene Church. I'm pretty much surrounded by Christians. I go to a small group every Tuesday morning. A small accountability group, about six, seven, eight guys on Tuesday morning. Those are Christian guys. We pray together, we read a book together, we hold each other accountable. But I'm, I'm surrounded by Christians. I co-teach an adult Sunday school class at my church. My co-teacher is here tonight, Mr. Don Harwell. It's kind of friends we are. We support each other. I've got some other friends from Denver First Church that are here to support me. I'm surrounded by Christians. And the Lord has begun to talk to me about are you engaged in any lost sheep? So our small group, and if you've had me for a class, some of you are so thankful. And we're so close, if you have yet to have me for a class, oh, you're in for a blessing. <laughs> but, and I've shared this with my classes, but this small group that meets on Tuesday morning at Chick-fil-A, I, I don't want to assume that all the employees at Chick-fil-A are Christians. I know Chick-fil-A is a Christian organization. But I can't assume that all the workers there are Christians. So I've kind of made that my mission field. Those employees at Chick-fil-A are my mission field. So I'm making a point to get to know those folks that work at Chick-fil-A. Actually, I go to two small accountability groups at two Chick-fil-A's. I'm spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> so I meet on Tuesday morning, I meet on Wednesday morning. My Tuesday morning group I'm getting to know Lupe. Lupe is a worker there. She greets me every Tuesday morning at 6.30. How anybody can greet anybody at 6.30 in the morning? I don't understand. But Lupe and I just call each other by first names. It's about building relationships. And then Jacob works there also. I noticed last week Jacob's hand was wrapped in a bandage, and he had a splint on his, on his little finger. His splint was creative. It was made out of two knives. He broke his finger. And he said, I'm just going to try to do it my way. I'm going to the doctor. I can't find that stuff out without asking questions. You might think, you're just glad I'm nosy here. But I'm building a relationship with Jacob and with Lupe. They don't know that someday I'm going to ask where they are spiritually. Because 
My sheep could be Ube. My sheep could be Jacob. My other Chick-fil-A on Wednesday morning at 6.15. Now I know you're really impressed. <laughs> Joanna just had a baby about six months ago. So her work schedule changed a little bit. But I got to see Joanna and her little baby about three weeks ago. She's required building a relationship with Joanna. That's what I've been praying for and her baby and her family. And then Carla is an assistant manager there. I go up to the top box. <laughs> and I'm praying for Carla. Just building the relationship. Those are my lost sheep. Well, besides my adult Sunday school class. Praying for my lost sheep. Praying that the Lord sends some lost sheep my way. And that I open my eyes to some possible lost sheep. Have you been praying for some lost sheep for God to send your way? We need to. See, I'm thankful for the seven high school students that showed me Jesus. I'm thankful for Steve. I'm thankful for Paul. I'm thankful for Barb. I'm thankful for Judy. I'm thankful for Rosa and Vicki and Sandy. They invited me. They included me. They invested in me. Who are you investing in? Who are you inviting? So as a Christian education ministry professor, as we wrap up, past Christian education ministry um, students to help me tonight. So they're going to work their way to the back of the auditorium. So as I thought, how can I help you remember lost sheep? So I immediately went to Family Dollar. I couldn't find anything that had the sheep kind of thing going, but I did find peeps. <laughs> now don't lose the message. <laughs> Stay with me, kids. <laughs> there are some peeps. We all have peeps in our lives that need Jesus. So pray for some peace. That God send some peace. Or some sheep. You can't spell. <laughs> You're away. Tonight when you leave chapel, everybody gets a box of peace. Now please don't be like children's ministry people and kids that you have in your children's ministry. I don't mind yellow. <laughs> there, there are other colors. <laughs> You get trade once you get back to your classroom. And let the professors help you sort all that out. Don't lose the meaning of what I'm trying to say to you. Peace, sheep, look for. They all need Jesus. Thank <laughs> you.